0: That was wonderful, wasn't it? It's one of the best parts of the time of the year is the music. And if you come back next Sabbath, I can guarantee you will hear one of those songs again. But I'm not going to tell you which one. You'll have to come and find out. Just so it turns out that uh, Cantabile is singing one of the same songs that we're singing next Sabbath for choir. So anyway, I'll let you find that out by showing up. That's always the fun of it. Let's, let's bow our heads for prayer as we begin. Lord, as, as, we, as we gather together at this festive time of year, as we gather together at this time when we remember your birth, I pray that we might see within that story a place for us, that we might see within that story something that will encourage us, something that will give us hope as well, it is my prayer in your name, Amen. Well, I'll give you a report first of all. This last week, last Sunday, I came back from a mission trip in Nicaragua. Spent the week there, uh, the end of November, first of December, and uh, this is my—I don't know—it's my fifth or sixth time to Nicaragua now. I love going there. It's a beautiful country, beautiful people. We uh, accomplished several things while we were there. Uh, We worked on a kitchen. Some of you helped us with this financially, some of the Sabbath school classes and and, uh, individuals. Uh, One of the things we did in the kitchen, the building itself was built, but there were some things that needed to be finished inside. We built uh, a couple of stands for um, what's called a cosanica, it's a little uh, Nicaraguan stove um, that you cook over, uh, you feed wood in the bottom and it kind of traps the heat there and, um, and, it, and you cook whatever it is you're cooking on top in large pans and so forth. There'll be room for two cosanicas there, also room underneath for the wood so it can start to dry out and, and get better um, and that was in one corner of the kitchen. Uh, in another spot we, um, we finished out the kitchen cabinets. Um, We uh, formed up and and mixed the concrete and poured the countertop. Uh, Who knew that that cement countertops are kind of a trendy thing right now? We just did it because it's durable, but uh, I know now I'm somebody's gonna want me to make one for them but anyway um, we set the sink in it and and we've plumbed that all in Uh, the cabinet itself was there but we did the countertops and so forth and then we plumbed all of that in and then the last thing main thing that we worked on construction wise is we put the the water tank up on the tower now the reason you do that is that um well first of all they just got water uh like what we would call city water Um, at the property there where the Enrichment Center is. They just got it a couple of weeks ago. Um, They had to pay to have the the water line put in Uh, and in the process though another 54 families got water because they were on the same street. So we paid to put the water into the church uh, facility, the church property, but everyone else along the way gets to have water too if they want to tap into that. Um, Now the reason for the tank, unlike your house perhaps, is that the water's only on a couple of hours a day. And you can imagine what would happen if you came home every night and the water wasn't on, right? You know, how does supper happen? How does, you know, that bath you need to take? How do you get your lawn watered? All those kinds of things, right? So what you do is you put in a tank You put it up on an an elevated place so that when the water's off, the tank is filled, you now have gravity feeding your house water system. You have some water flowing through your house. So we got that tank. It was empty, by the way, when we put it up there. It did not lift the full tank. It's not possible. We also worked with um, the feeding program that's there. Some 50, 60 children are being fed uh, each day in, in the church facility. This is the church, by the way, that we're working with. Um, and uh, the the tables were built by an earlier group this year. They fold up and become pews, and so then they open up and become tables. Kind of clever how that works. And so here's some of the children eating, and here's our mission group. Uh, That's Wayne on the left, Wayne Tingle. You've seen him here perhaps before uh, speaking. Uh, Megan on the right, the two missionaries that are there, and those two guys in the middle, the one on the left, you probably recognize him. You may have seen him before. Um, The guy on the right in the green shirt, that's my father. So my dad got to go with me on this trip, and that is the sum total of the group. There were two people that were able to go. Um, So, you know, you work with what you have, and that's what we did. Uh, And we're standing in the doorway there of the the kitchen. Uh, It's an outdoor sort of structure, but it's well solidly built, and it's gonna be great. It's gonna be a wonderful asset um, for the enrichment center there uh, in Nicaragua, in Matagalpa, Nicaragua. So as I mentioned, I've been there uh, several times before, but this is the first time I was in uh, Nicaragua during Christmas. And what I discovered is that there is a uniquely Nicaraguan holiday around Christmas called La Parisima. And La Parisima, my Spanish is probably terrible, so excuse me, but La Purisima is a holiday that begins on the 28th of November, and it runs until the 8th of December. It's nine days long. Alright, so if you're going to have a holiday, it's this, Thursday, this Thanksgiving stuff, that's one day, come on. This is nine days. I didn't know how to do it up right. So this is kind of a combination holiday of Christmas. It's got some kind of a Halloween sort of feel to it. It's also got a 4th of July, New Year's kind of thing going on with it. It's all kinds of great stuff going on with this thing. There's a lot of different things happening with this holiday. And then it ends, kind of the culmination of the holiday season, is the 7th, uh, on the 7th of December, the night of the 7th of December, they have La Griteria. I'll explain what that's about in a minute as well. La Parisma is, is a celebration of the birth of the Virgin Mary. So it's not the birth of Jesus, that's later at Christmas. This is the birth of the Virgin Mary. And it's a huge holiday. People save up for it for, year, for all year to, to, to celebrate. They build altars in their homes, shrines we would say, perhaps with an image of Mary or a statue of Mary. They put lights around it, uh, uh, flowers and so forth, white flowers, lights, etc. And then on each night of the celebration, processions proceed down the, the streets of the city. And people have their homes open. You're encouraged to come by and, and, and stop in and, and, and maybe uh, say a prayer with the family or sing with the family. And then on the last night, they have the biggest procession of all, the La Griteria. But on other cities, they do it a little bit differently. Maybe they have eight main avenues. So each night, they go down one of the main avenues. Maybe in another city, they don't have that many avenues. They're not that large. So they start with one of the homes with a procession and then proceed to the church the cathedral, and then maybe another night they start another home and proceed so forth for eight nights, and then they have food and they have candy and they have gifts for everyone and so forth. It's it's a big production. Then there's the last night, the Lagrateria, which means the shouting, and that's the noisiest night of all, because Lagrateria, what you did, it started a little bit later than Parisima. What happens on Lagrateria is a priest on one of the celebrations. Stood before the crowd one night and said, and I'm going to slaughter the Spanish here, but he said, canta tanta alegria? Who gives you so much joy? What is the cause of your joy? And the crowd answers back, La Concepcion de Maria, the conception of Maria, of Mary. And this became a tradition of part of the, the Purisima as well. So on the seventh night, they have this, everybody answers back and forth. You stop at a home, the owners cry out, who gives you this joy? They answer back, the conception of Mary. And then they have a party. Then they move to the next place, and the next place, and it keeps going. And then on the day of Purisima, they have a celebration at 6, noon, 6, and midnight. And each of those celebrations include fireworks. So there's firecrackers and the big bangy fireworks going off and so forth. It's a big production. People save all year for la Purisima. So what is the object of all of this adoration? Why do they do this? I mean, they have special little um, baskets that they have that they put gifts in and so forth and give to people. They have different baskets, and there's tons of these all over. Uh, And then they also have like little noisemakers, also in the same kind of... Uh, basket sort of shape. And then this is part of the singing that goes on, and this is what they give away as well. Why all of this adoration for Mary? Well, Mary is the sort of the patron saint of Nicaragua. She's actually very popular throughout Central America, but Nicaragua really loves Mary. She's painted on the buses, she's, she's all, all the churches are af- named after her. So, I mean, it's a big thing. Mary is a big thing. And in Catholic theology, The idea was, or still is, that Jesus being born to a virgin is not enough. In other words, he could still be tainted with sin. Therefore, Mary also had to be born of a virgin. And hence the concept, the Immaculate Conception. And this is what they're really celebrating, is the birthday of the birth of Mary. The birthday of Jesus comes later, this is the birthday of Mary. And because she is so popular, in Nicaragua this has become a large and a big production and a beautiful holiday for them well the Bible doesn't really tell us anything about the circumstances of Mary's birth but it does tell us about the circumstances of Jesus's birth and it tells us a little bit about Mary along the way Luke is the gospel that perhaps tells us the most and it's one of her relatives as well who shows up in an introduction to that gospel The other Gospels, they talk about Jesus primarily. And we really don't know much about Mary or her future husband, Joseph. We assume some things. We assume, for example, that because she is engaged to be married and a virgin, that she must be young. This is her first marriage. She's probably young. Perhaps even, as the custom of the time was, and is in some cultures still today, perhaps even 12 or 14 years old. So she was young. Joseph, on the other hand, we sort of envision him as being a bit older for several reasons. One, there's reference later to his children. Also, he has a car. Well, a donkey. But hey, it's transportation, right? You can't fuss. So he's old enough to have a car or transportation, right? So he's got the means to have some sort of transportation. He has a job. I mean, he has all the qualifications, right? He has a job. He's a carpenter, he has some sort of skill, some sort of cra- uh, trade. So he's probably a bit older. Maybe he's married before his first wife died. We don't know. But that's kind of the way we look at the two of them. We do know this though, that of the two, Mary is a very unique woman. And we find out about this beginning in Luke. Chapter 1 and verse 26. So take out your Bible if you have one of those print versions, or there's one in the pew in front of you, or you have the electronic version and you want to look it up in the translation that's most familiar to you, or you can look on the screen. We've got you covered no matter what. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. I want you to notice as we go through this, see if there are some points that sort of jump out at you. Some sort of places that you, maybe make you scratch your head, or, or perhaps make you think, or perhaps inspire you. I want you to see if you notice those on the way through. Beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her, that's the angel, and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What caught your attention on the way through there? What did you notice as you look through that passage? You usually to listen to that and read that. Here's a couple of things that caught my eye. Verse 28 and verse 29, first of all, And he, that's the angel, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Interesting. Notice that Mary is troubled by the appearance of the angel. Now think about that. Wouldn't you be a little bit concerned? I mean, you're sitting in your room, you're sitting at the corner of your bed and there's a light, there's a sound, there's a something. I don't know what that's like because I've not seen an angel, but we assume that might be the case. And then there's this being in your room. What would you respond with? Okay, this is not something I've seen before. Not sure how to deal with this, but okay. But notice that Mary is not troubled by the presence of the angel. She's concerned about what the angel has to say. What the angel tells her is what is concerning to her. Not so much that it's an angel, which maybe tells us that she's perhaps comfortable in the presence of God, but what the angel is saying. Because what the angel is telling her basically is that she is going to have a child, troubling item number one, and that this child is going to be the Messiah. That's significant. Every woman since Eve has wanted to be the mother of the Messiah. All the way down through the generations. With th- is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the promised one? Is this the chosen one? Is this the son of God? Is this the Messiah? And one day, it turns out to be Mary. Imagine what it would have been like for her. This is a pretty big deal. But then back to that other question. Verse 34, the one that might have been in your foremost in your mind as well. Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be? Since I'm a virgin, how is this going to happen? How is this going to take place? Now we getting into a lot of detail. Those of you who understand the mechanics understand the mechanics. Those of you who don't, we'll find out later on in life. But the question is still a good question, right? How is this going to happen? I'm not married. How's this going to happen? Good question. First of all, that makes me think that God is big enough to handle our questions. That if we don't understand, we can ask. And you know what? He's going to be okay with that. Because the angel doesn't criticize her for asking this question. Instead, the angel answers her question. I don't know if you find the answer satisfactory or not. But the angel says, oh, here you go. The Holy Spirit's going to do it. Okay. Okay great. Doesn't really answer the question as to the how, but all right, we'll just have to go with that. And Mary is okay with it from there. Verse 37, another one that caught my eye. This is the answer that the angel gives, for nothing will be impossible with God. And notice Mary's response. Verse 38, and Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Wow. Does not understand. The mechanics of the process do not compute. For centuries since, we still do not understand how this incarnation thing could even work. But that's okay. She can still accept it. And she wants to be God's servant. That's the bottom line for her. Now, there's one more passage I I caught my attention. I want to go back to it. Maybe you didn't really pay much to it as as it went along because it just seems like just background and information. But verse 26 and 27 caught my eye too. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. That's the setting How many of you can remember where you were when you proposed to your spouse or when your spouse, future spouse proposed to you? Do you remember where that was? Do you remember where you were? Some of you can smile and nod. Some of you are like, I think I'm supposed to remember this. I'll talk to you later. But anyway, do you remember where that was? Do you remember how that went down? Do you remember how you felt at that moment? Do you remember the plans that you made? The conversations that you had, the discussion about we'll we'll, we'll get married here. We'll do the, this person will be the preacher. This will be who this is who's going to be in my wedding. All those kinds of things. You remember those plans? Do you remember that? Do you remember what it was like to be thinking about you know someday I'm going to be married to this person and then this is what life is going to be like? And of course that's not what life was going to be like. But that's what you thought. Have you been in that moment? Have you had those plans? Have you had plans like that in your life? Maybe that's maybe it wasn't about getting married, but maybe it was about something else. You had plans. You knew that when you went to school, this is what you were going to take. This is how it was going to be when you graduated. This is the job you were going to get. This is what life was going to be like. And then it changed. Have you experienced that? Mary and Joseph are engaged. They're betrothed, to use the King James word, which is much more significant than just engagement. Engagement, you know, you, 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 you yes, I. Well, I uh, will you marry me? Yes, you maybe exchange a, a ring or a watch if you're old school Adventist. You know what I'm talking about? And you, uh, and you know, you make plans. But you know, if it ends, it ends. Sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, whatever. That, it's not a big legal thing. But a betrothal is like a legal commitment. To get out of a betrothal is to get a divorce. All right, it's a big thing. Money changes hands you know all kinds of stuff. So betrothal is a big deal. They have plans. They have plans. They have dreams. They have ideas. They are going to be doing something. They're gonna be living together, growing old together, whatever it might be. And then the angel appears. And then God shows up. And everything goes upside down. Everything changes. They, instead of having a, quote, normal child, end up with this special child who is conceived through some sort of, I don't know how to explain, and then there's that whole conversation with their parents, think about that, Mary talking to her mother, father, in an honor-based society, a woman who is pregnant without being married should be stoned, should be killed, how does that conversation go? Joseph had every reason to betray, to, to recognize what had gone on and to be done with her. He had all the legal grounds for it, he had everything he could have done, and he didn't. So, what about Joseph? He has to wrestle with this too. How do you wrestle with your plans getting changed when God shows up? Mary and Joseph are in that place. Perhaps you've been in that place too. I don't understand how it worked. I don't think Mary and Joseph did either. But somehow, even though their lives are going to get tossed upside down, even though their relationship is going to be strained to the breaking point, they are able to accept this as the will of God and go through it anyway. A few months ago, actually about a year ago, uh, I started, uh, I like to get a massage about every month or so, and I, I started uh, going to a massage therapist named Alice. Alice is a young lady. She's quite good at her at her, what she does. And um, over the course of several months, you know, you, you get to talking and so forth, I noticed that, that Alice seemed to be gaining weight. Now, now, just a word to the wise here, guys. Do not ask. If a woman is gaining weight, don't ask. Just, just don't ask, all right? I thought at first, well, maybe, you know, she wears loose-fitting clothing. I'm just not really, you know, whatever, you know, it's whatever. But but over the next couple of months, she seemed to be gaining weight. Now, that's fine, but, you know, I've learned the hard way. Do not ask. All right? Do not ask, all right? Because if she is gaining weight, she doesn't want to be reminded of this, okay? This is not something she probably wants to talk about, okay? Just whatever. Just don't ask. And if she, you know, if you ask if she's pregnant and she's not and she's really gaining weight... Oh, man, that's not, that's awkward. Don't go there. Trust me. They, they taught me this in Pastoral Visitation 101. Do not ask about the weight gain, all right? Just pretend it isn't there. And then you know what? After 9, 10 months, if a baby doesn't show up, there you go. You already know what. don't ask anyway. Just don't ask. Well, one day after one of the sessions, we were talking a little bit afterwards, and, and she was complaining about how she had back pain, and, and it was, um, getting more difficult to sleep because of her pregnancy. I was like, oh, whew, there we go, all right, now I can talk about it, we're, we're safe here. She brought it up, whew, okay. So I started asking questions, you know, what, what, what's your due date, you know, is this your first, is this your second, you know, those kinds of things. You know, is it a boy, is it a girl, you know, all those kinds of questions, right? And I was, this is really great, she's really excited about this. And so I asked her what I thought would be a normal question, and I said, well, have you picked out a name? Do you have a name for the child yet? And she said, no, no, it's not my baby. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I'm thinking all kinds of terrible scenarios. Oh, my. This is, she seems happy, but oh, whoa. Then she went on to explain, I'm a surrogate mother. I'm a surrogate mother. This child is not mine. And I was like, wow, tell me about this. And she said, I have a child of my own. I have some friends who cannot have children. And I decided to do this for them. And so this life within me is going to go to full term. And then at the delivery, I'll hand the baby to them. It will be theirs to name, to raise. It will be their child. I'm the surrogate. When I left, I thought, you know, I think I understand a little bit more about what it was like for Mary. Because she was also someone who had this this sort of special conception, this special process, just like Alice, where it was something that was done outside of her and implanted in her and, and, and so forth. But it was not hers. But yet she was still willing to go through the process to deal with the societal issues, the questions. As you might imagine, there would be questions as a woman becomes obviously pregnant. Who's the father? How do you answer that question? Alice came up with a way, but it would have taken a bit to explain. Mary also had to answer that question. And yet Mary was able to go through that. She was able to to give birth, and she did raise her own child, but you know, eventually, ultimately, the child was not hers, but was rather a child that belonged to all of us. But because Mary was willing to enter into this partnership with God, she was willing to be a surrogate, willing to live with those pressures, those issues, those questions, those doubts, for this reason, she was the one who could stand at the intersection of history. She was able to stand at the intersection of history. We count history based on before the birth of Christ and after the birth of Christ. And she stood at that intersection. And because of that, she was there for that mysterious moment that we do not understand, where God became flesh and dwelled among us. How does that happen? I don't know. I hear it, I read it, but I don't understand it. But the world is never the same again, is it? It probably doesn't need to be said, but yet it seems like we ought to say this again. God still uses women today. He still calls them, he still ordains them, he still blesses them, he still sets them aside, he still empowers them to do great things. Why do we have to keep saying this? I don't know. But yet, God does. And don't worry, guys, he'll use you too. It's all right. He'll use you as well. In fact, God is willing to work with whoever's willing to work with him. That's who he'll work with. Whoever will work with him. So what is the impossibility in your world today? What is it? What is it that's in front of you that just seems like it cannot go past? You cannot get around this. I cannot get over this. It is impossible. What is that? God says, I can do those too. What are the expectations that you once had that have since been turned upside down? What are the things, the dreams that you had that have died What are the aspirations, the goals, the plans that just never came about? When God shows up in the middle of those, maybe there's something else. Maybe there's an even much bigger thing that's going to happen. What is it in your life that God wants to give birth to today? What is it? You know, we don't understand all the time. We just do not understand But what seems to matter most in the life of Mary, and perhaps should matter the most in ours as well, is that while she didn't understand, she was willing. She was willing to be a servant. Even if she didn't know what that meant, where that was going to go, and how it was all going to play out. She was willing to do it anyway. You see, we don't always understand, but we can always be willing. Let's pray. Lord, what is, what is it that you want to do with our lives? What is it that's within us that you would love to give birth to? What is it that's within us that we just cannot move around, but you want to help us get through that? Lord, give us the strength to be a servant because of the incredible possibilities when we do. Amen.